0: at luckylandslots.com.
1: Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Now Pittman over the halfway line. Going direct here. Pittman going through everybody. What a goal this would be! What a goal that is! From Brett Pittman!
2: on the cake, he picked it up on the halfway line, he ran, he ran and he put it into the net. The cherries fans go wild, it is
1: 3-0. Hello and welcome to the latest in the lockdown interviews hope you've been enjoying our interview so far if you're loving what we're doing you're welcome to support us by buying us a coffee just go to afcbpodcast.com coffee to show your appreciation if you can't do that well we'd appreciate a review on your podcast app it's for free just hit the review section and why not give us a few stars we'd really appreciate it so who's coming up on today's show well, we're joined by Brett Pittman as we discuss his career at AFC Bournemouth. On the pitch, he's been through it all with promotions, relegations, medals, and more. And off the pitch, well, the club was a bit tasty too. Brett discusses his time at an Evolving Cherries, his other stints at Ipswich and Bristol City, as well as his current spell at Portsmouth. In this interview, it's myself, Sam Davis, Jeff Hayward and Tom Jordan enjoy Brett Pittman how are you mate I'm good thank you um that was a superb goal I'm sure that we'll talk about many that you scored during the next hour or so uh with me of course we've got Jeff Hayward as well Jeff how are you
3: yeah really good Sam thanks thanks very much for having me back
1: no worries at all. And also, influencer, North Stand, season ticket holder, and general nice guy, Tom Jordan. How are you, Tom?
0: Yeah, I'm good, Sam. Cheers for that intro. That was very nice of you. <laughs> Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, the fiver. Hopefully, it's going to be in the post for me, Tom. Like eh? um, so, Brett, um, you joined Bournemouth at the age of 16 or so, I think, in 2004, following in the footsteps of people like Graham Lasseau, who crossed the channel. Um I think you scored four goals for the island's under eighteen team against AFC Bournemouth, which sort of pricked up the ears of uh, club staff here. And then you joined us playing under in the youth team under Eddie Howe, but you quickly made the transition to the first team. Um, did it feel like a, a big step up to be playing with grown men so quickly?
2: Um, maybe to a point, I think. But in them days, there we had the reserve. Um, reserve team we actually played in a league so I played quite a lot of games for them and back then it was if you weren't playing for the first team you you kind of come down so people like Neil Young used to play sometimes and it was great to get experience playing with people like that.
1: Mm, Yeah good stuff Jeff.
3: And you started off uh, on the bench a a few times during your first season didn't you Brett but then you suddenly got some more starts. And, and to Bournemouth fans, I think we all saw your, your natural goal-scoring talent pretty quickly. Um, you also, I mean, you seem to have a lot of hunger uh, for goals as well, which which was evident. And there was an infamous incident with uh, Max Grador about taking a penalty. What was that all about?
2: Yeah, I think I was probably the one meant to be taking it. Um, Max got the ball. And Max can be quite stubborn when, when he wants to do something. So um we are both we are both young, both had good intentions, and it probably didn't look great at the time. But I think it was both good intentions that
1: worked out badly. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that penalty incident, Tom?
0: Yeah, I do remember it now. I think um it was probably a bit over the top how much it was uh, made of it. But um yeah, the the ball went in the back of the net, that's all that matters. But um yeah, I did think it was weird at the time because I thought, just assumed Brett would take it. And then uh, for some reason, Max just seemed very evident that he wanted it. So, But what if the ball goes in the net, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, does it?
1: No, that's right. And I mean, Brett, as a as a striker that's supposed to be taking that penalty and seeing your fellow teammate taking it, obviously you want him to score for the team. But is there an element of it being a bit of a win-win situation for you, i.e. if he scores, great. And if he misses, well, you can sort of say, I told you so.
2: <laughs> no, I think you do. You when the decision actually finally gets made I think you just want him to score I can't actually even remember who we were playing against that day but no. obviously you, you want him to score and, and you want to win the game that's the main thing
3: yeah. On the on the back of that Brett which which of your teammates over your career has given you probably the hardest time for being a striker probably when you're going through a fallow period but also who's been your greatest supporter would you say?
2: Um, there's been a few I think my greatest support, I think warren cummins when i was when I was coming through as a young lad um he was obviously the the main joker in the in the dressing room but he kind of took me under his wing to a point looked after me, and we're still very good friends now, so he he probably looked after me the most um James Hayter was another one he he's a man of very few words, but when he did speak to you he he was you listened and he helped me also.
1: Mm, good stuff. Throughout the show, Brett, uh, we're going to be showing some comments from people that are watching live on the screen. So if you see sort of text, you don't have to comment on it or whatever. But um, it's quite interesting to get the reaction, and loads of people are absolutely loving having you here. So in in two thousand and eight, I mean, you were as you were finding your feet playing League One football. You scored goals, I think, in in League One initially, um, and th- so things were going all right for you football wise. But off the pitch. Obviously, the financial situation at the club wasn't the greatest. When you joined, there was the whole sale and lease back of the stadium. And then these kind of financial issues then start to affect what was happening on the pitch in terms of getting that 10-point deduction. And then the following seven, uh, season, minus 17. Um, what, what's it like to play under such a cloud? I mean, does it provide you with more motivation or anything?
2: Not so much more motivation. I think I was very young at the time and probably didn't realize the 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 situation to be honest um with lads older than me would have had families mortgages to pay at the time I was living probably in digs or or with one of the other lads paying them rent and and that was probably my only outgoing um so you quickly just focus on football in that in that scenario for myself but obviously the other lads it was probably much deeper than that, and, and much a bigger problem.
1: Mm. Tom, um, in terms of uh, playing partners, uh, you know, Brett Pittman, who's the player that you most, you know, remember playing alongside him? Because for me, it's the big one.
0: Yeah, it's got to be the big man. Like I say, that um, that great escape season, particularly when obviously when he come back, um, you know, I thought, you know, Brett's goals at the end of the day, without Brett's goals, we wouldn't have stood a chance. But when the big one come back, that that partnership they had seemed to just form straight away. And um, I think what was what was evident as well, when we go on about, you know, kind of a bit more recently when Brett was with the club, I think his role's kind of changed where he was just a natural goal scorer. He's always been a goal scorer, but someone that kind of flex played off him. And then further along, he was ended up playing off Callum Wilson. So um shows that, you know, Brett can do a bit of everything when he's up, up top. But yeah, I would probably say the big one's the one that stands out the most. I think probably... It's tough. We've got a lot of good ones. It's probably my favourite ever partnership. I would say is um, is Brett and the big man, definitely.
1: Mm. And when he did return, what did he what did he bring to the dressing room?
2: He brought an an experience, a leadership. Um, he would take problems on himself and maybe try and deal with them himself. He he just bought probably just a I would say an overall experience and. A bit of a focal point for for the lads to to bounce off, really.
1: Mm, I can presume there was a fair bit of banter in the in the um, like in the change room when he was, about. was a Bowser.
2: Yeah, mostly was aimed at him. To be honest, he used to get <laughs> absolutely tortured by the lads. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it, Jeff.
2: So um, Brett, one of the difficult
3: games that you had was the the Blythe Spartans game. Um, we've had a couple of questions about that, the the red card and. and Patrick Sullivan asked whether you thought that meant the end for your a f c b career at the time and and also was interested to know how you turned it around so quickly. What are your recollections of that experience
2: yeah it wasn't a very good night for myself personally and and obviously the team um I just come on and i tried to i tried to block block the long ball forward and I caught the lad probably was it a red card I'm not overly sure um and how do you turn it around so quickly? I think Eddie coming in was, was massive. He, he come in not long after, I think maybe two two games after. And that, that was huge because under Jimmy Quinn, I probably wouldn't have had any other any future left at Bournemouth, um, along with probably a few other lads, I would have thought.
1: I'm sure I'm sure we'll uh, speak sort of more about Eddie I mean how did the coach journey feel after that because we had a we had a message from uh, Steve the pirate 65 who said uh you know who asked that and he said he he had to admit that he was a bit worried for you after that one but uh, you know he's so glad that you bounced back are they are they sort of long journeys home when you've either lost or sort of done wrong in the game
2: yeah of course it it, it was a long journey back and i probably a long few weeks after that really because obviously you're I was suspended so you can you can't put it right and it it wasn't nice it, I was only young at the time and probably didn't really know how to deal with it that well but luckily like I said it wasn't too far after that Eddie came back and I just remember jogging around on his first session he, he pulled me whilst the lads were jogging and said look don't worry about what happened to Barnes. you're going to play for me and that's it mm. and and that was it it was the line was drawn under it and nothing ever got mentioned about it again.
3: One of my favourite goals that you scored in the emphatic response was away against Exeter. Um, I think you picked up the ball outside our own penalty box and then beat, what, five players and then beat them all again and then scored. So, (laughs) do you you remember much about that
2: goal? I do. I was lucky to still be on the pitch because I nearly got taken off at (laughs) half-time because I was that bad in the first half. I think I got that you've got 10 minutes to liven up or you're off which I got quite regularly to be honest from Eddie so um, luckily I did liven up a little bit Um, I think Danny scored the equaliser and then obviously I scored that goal which had a little bit of luck and a little bit of everything really and then managed to score a second late on in the game to to
0: win 3-1
1: Tom do you remember that goal?
0: Yeah big time it was a massive goal uh, I mean I think that goal was another example of obviously we're going to talk about plenty of great goals the amount I've never been in the crowd so much where I thought Brett pass it Brett don't shoot and then it goes in the amount so I've never had it with a certain player before where just you think you can't keep going you've got to let it off, and it was absolutely brilliant it was if you put that one next to the Fulham one which I'm sure we'll talk about so many similarities to it it's, it's brilliant Being be able to do it twice fantastic
1: well that's what I want to go on to talk about because you did a, a video with like afcb tv or whatever it was called at the time cherries player where you're on the pitch in the like five different you know positions you had a cone down where you you know struck the ball from i think one of your strikes was shrewsbury away which i've got to thank you for because i put a one pound bet on you scoring first and bournemouth winning three nil and that got me like 96 quid so i was well happy with that thank you brett um hashtag thank you brett yeah um but yeah that was a cracking goal but also um you know, that strike at home, as we just said, um saying off oh, air, Burton Albion, 86th minute, you were way out. Um And it was audacious. I mean, can you talk us through that? I mean, did you? I mean, obviously, you must have seen that there was a slight chance with the keeper off his line. But I mean, you hit it well.
2: Yeah, I'll be honest, I had the hump because I've been put out onto the left wing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I
2: thought... <laughs> The ball just sat there and I just thought, I'm just going to hit this as hard as I could. And luckily it went towards the goal. It could have gone anywhere. Um But yeah, that was the reason I shot from there because I wasn't particularly happy that I'd been pushed out onto the left wing when we needed a goal, I think, at the time.
3: What 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 gives you greatest pleasure, Brett? Beating 10 players and scoring or a 35-yarder in the top corner?
2: Anything. Anything <laughs> that goes in the net, whether it's from two yards or... Twenty-two yards. It doesn't really matter. Long a goal's a goal.
1: Would you say you're quite? I wouldn't say selfish, but would you say you're single-minded when it comes to scoring goals?
2: Yes, I think so. I think you have to be. I think yeah. If you're, if you're happy to run through and pass it when you could score, and I mean, I've I've played with forwards and played with a lot of forwards, and currently playing with forwards at the time at now. That I read them saying pa- in the in papers and stuff, oh, I'm not bothered about scoring goals. Well, that's what you're paid to do. Mm. If you want, if we, if I was paid to run around like a marathon runner, then I wouldn't be playing up front. You're paid to score goals as a forward, in my opinion. And if you're not scoring goals, you're not particularly doing your job. But of course, there's you can do other things and other aspects of the game to keep you in. But ultimately you're
0: going to be judged on scoring goals as a forward, you have to be. Yeah. Would you say, Brett, I'm um, following on from that, would you say, for example, if you had a if you felt like you had a really good game and we won 2-0, something like that, but you didn't get on the score sheet, would you find the game kind of more pleasing if you didn't have the best of games but you nicked a goal at the end? Would you find that because like you were saying, you feel like that's your job, would you feel like you were always more pleased after a game if you nicked a goal regardless of your kind of individual performance?
2: Um, I think, if I'm honest, it depends on the situation of the season. Yeah. If it's late in the season and you've got nothing to play for, nicking a goal's perfect. Um, but no, I was I was always really big on longs. I played well enough to keep my place the, the week after. Then there's another opportunity to score, so that was always what I aimed to do. Whether I played well to keep my place for the next next week or the next game. Um and obviously if you don't play well but you nick a goal, then more than likely you're going to keep your place as well. So both both really. It was it wasn't it was either or to be honest.
1: Mm. We um spoke to Marvin Gart uh Bartley and he said that your desire to win was so strong that when we didn't um he considered you to be a grumpy guts and that was his words. <laughs> um do you want to sort of elaborate on your feelings when you feel as though your team sort of hasn't performed, or is it um you know down to your individual performance that you sort of you know that you go home thinking about and how long does it take you to get over that
2: no i think I think it's a team thing more than an individual thing if you haven't played well, you know yourself, but as a team, if we haven't done what we were meant to do or we haven't played well and we've got we've got beat, then I think it's only right to Ask questions in the change room after the game. I think that's right, and then it gets put to bed in the change room, and then you get back on the bus or back in your car, and you go home. And obviously, you think about the result, but come when you come back in Monday morning, you don't dwell on it, and you you move on to the next game.
1: Mm. Uh, Jeff, what do you remember about that Burton Albion uh, match that that uh, clinched promotion? Because there were thousands that ran onto the pitch, and they were great hosts, weren't they?
3: I mean, I think I read somewhere, Brett, that that is your favourite ever game, isn't it? Is is that still the case? Because that was must have been an amazing experience to play in that promotion winning game.
2: It's certainly up there, yeah. I think that one, obviously the Carlisle one at home and, and the Bolton one for for different reasons. Obviously, I didn't play a full part in the Bolton one. I, I come on with 20 minutes to go, but still, for what we achieved over that season, um, it's difficult to pick. I think also, the Chester one away was big mm. um, because I think that was really the result that sealed us staying up, not the one at home the week after.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um the Burton match I, I, I particularly remember. I I was so uh, you know, fond of it and you saw just what potential that you we had got. Um Tom, what well, were you there during that day? Because it was beautiful weather, wasn't it? Um yeah. you know, not a cloud in the sky and just perfect performance. And they were really good hosts. Everyone ran onto the pitch chanting, you know, K Sarah, whatever will be, we'll be we we'll go to St Mary's and all that, which I look <laughs> back at a bit cringeworthy now that we're actually playing them regularly. But what were your thoughts of that day?
0: Yeah, it was a great it was a great one that kind of like I say it's it feels like kind of the original if you like we've obviously like Brett said we've had uh, obviously the Carlisle game and Bolton you know different promotions since but um that felt like the start of something um obviously we'd we'd survived the season before and it felt like these group of players and with Eddie back that we could really achieve something and um so it felt it felt more than just a just a promotion to me it felt like you know we, we were really starting to start to build something and that was I'm quite uh, you know I get quite Quite nervous for a big game. I wasn't. I can just remember, you know, feeling like we'd have no problem. That side in League Two, I just felt we were, we were too good. We were too good mm-hmm. to be in that league, and we were always going to win. And like you say, um, Burnham a great host, and we kind of have always had a bit of a soft spot from since, let us on the pitch and that. And uh, that was a nice touch from them, definitely.
1: It seemed to be that season that got you noticed a lot, Brett, because um, the 2010-2011 season, back in uh, League One at that point in time, Eddie Mitchell was chairman. And before the season had started in August, it was reported by Sky Sports News that uh, newly promoted Premier League side Blackpool had made a bid of um, £400,000, possibly rising to six hundred to sign you. But it seems initially Mitchell blocked the news, but then it was announced that it had been accepted, but eventually the move broke down. Can you sort tell us a bit more about what happened with that?
2: Yeah, I I was I had a medical, I passed the medical. Um me and my agent walked I, I always I was already having doubts on to be honest, driving. I'd flown to Manchester, been picked up and when i was driving down the seafront in blackpool to um, have my medical i was already having doubts thinking I'm not really sure this is for me hmm. this is a long way away from from what i know a long way away from my from my now wife's family um the area doesn't look very nice <laughs> uh i'm not i'm not entirely sure Uh, I don't think we've got any Blackpool fans listening, so you can say what you like, Brett. Yeah, you
1: can say
2: what you want. Um, I laid on the medical table, passed the medical. Me and my agent walked into Carl Oyston's office. And as a new signing, you expect to be welcomed, or somebody that's going to sign, to be welcomed and made to feel welcome. He didn't even look up off his chair, didn't get up off his chair, didn't look up from his computer screen. And at that point, I just knew it wasn't for me. Um, we spoke briefly outside. My agent said to them, can you order us a taxi? And then I went back to Manchester because the lads, we were playing Tranmere on the Saturday. And that I think this was the Thursday or the Friday. So I was fully prepared just to drive or get the train to Manchester, from Manchester to Tranmere to to play play for Bournemouth on the Saturday and then it transpired I didn't know anything about it that Bristol City come in in the meantime.
1: Mm. And uh, Robbie Savage um, said uh, something didn't he uh, Jeff?
2: Yeah
3: I think you got uh, roundly slated for passing up the opportunity Robbie was one of those people who, who had a go at you but any regrets about Turning that move down because that would have been a Premier League club at the time, and Bristol City obviously weren't. So, what were your feelings of, about the the sort of different different clubs?
2: No, no regrets whatsoever. To be honest, it wasn't the club for me. I was I was more than happy to come back to Bournemouth and play play for Bournemouth. I was happy there. We had a good team. I was enjoying myself, um, and it just didn't feel right. I didn't. I didn't get a good feeling about it whatsoever. So it, it wasn't for me and absolutely no regret.
1: Hmm. Good stuff. Well, I hope that answers a, a few questions there. And also, uh, Kersika on the Vitals forum as well. Um, no regrets. And it seems to me, Brett, that um, your footballing moves are uh, dictated purely on lifestyle but footballing reasons rather than, you know, there are players that move for money and let's be fair, um, there are choices that you could have made with the that could have lined your pockets a lot better and it seems that that's more of a drive for you rather than the cash in the bank.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think I've never really been driven by money. Obviously, everybody wants to earn as much money doing whatever they can do, but I think there's more to it. I think being happy in, in the area of the right, the right team, the right environment, and a big thing for me now, obviously having two children and, and a wife, was was um for them to be happy.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um, Now, before we talk um, about uh, Bristol City, um, I've just got a question here that's come through from Keith Brewer, who uh, you may know, Brett. He said, Brett, can you remember playing cricket as a team building exercise with Eddie at Broadstone Cricket Club? You picked up an old bat out of the pavilion and smashed a six with it. Can you remember that?
2: I can. That was a good good evening. I, I do enjoy cricket. I played a lot when I was younger, so um it wasn't my first time like unlike some of the other lads
1: <laughs> <laughs> love it so yeah Bristol City then Jeff.
2: yeah I was going to say it must have been uh different to go to a club like
3: Bristol City who had expectations to play at a high level and I mean the same can be said for Ipswich and, and Portsmouth um compared to where Bournemouth were at the time where where we were a club that were happy to survive at the time where you were playing with them let alone get to the Premier League I mean What's it like playing playing for different size clubs with those levels of expectation?
2: Um, I've never really thought of it like that, to be honest. It's I really enjoyed my time at Bristol. It, it's a great club with really good people there. Um, the city is is a lovely city, and I re- I did really enjoy my time there. Um, we probably didn't do as well as what we would have liked to in my time there. Um, but if we were in the Championship, it was, it's a tough, tough old league to get out of and we give a good account of ourselves on in the couple of seasons I was there, but we we're, weren't really nowhere near being good enough to, to go anywhere near the promotion p- picture.
1: Tom, would it be fair to say that Brett is one of the players that um, established himself as a hero quite early on? So when certain players move, you always sort of tend to follow their career and see how they're doing now. Um, was he one that you sort of always would glance at the Bristol City result and see if Brett's on the school sheet, etc?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um, Brett kind of, I think, coming through as such a such a young lad, like we mentioned, I think everyone had that that kind of, a, yeah, that fan's favourite feel, that soft spot. I remember... Um, like I alluded to there when we got promoted against um, Burton and I felt like we were building something I felt that when Brett went that was a that was a real hit I remember being absolutely gutted just I remember when we, like you say when the Blackpool one didn't go through and you're thinking oh yeah we've got away with that it was um, it felt like we'd we missed a massive piece of the jigsaw when Brett went but um, equally you felt like Brett deserved that opportunity um, the goals you know, the the games and goals ratio was just incredible and you sh- and uh, Thoroughly deserved a move to Bristol City, and um, I always knew, always knew he'd carry that on there. Just I've always felt everyone I spoke to is, you know, whatever team Brett's with, you just always feel like he'll score goals, and that's always been the case. So um, but yeah, definitely, I've actually, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Bristol City ever since. Really, I think, like you say, when Brett was there, you check it out and you kind of carry it on a little bit, and uh, they're a club that would be quite nice to see if they could uh, pop up to the Premier League at some point.
1: Hmm. I wouldn't put them in the sort of category of sleeping giant, but it's a huge like city, mm-hmm. you know, bustling. And, you know, they are getting towards that stage where like they, you know, that city does, you know, deserve Premier League football. Yeah. Uh, uh Jeff.
3: Yeah. And I'd agree. I always looked out for you on the score sheet at Bristol City, Brett, partly because uh I, I thought you were always good enough to play at that sort of higher level. And it was, it was really pleasing to see you do so well there. Um Obviously, then thrilled to pieces when he came back, and it it sort of, you know that 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 made us. I think both Tom and Sam but every Bournemouth fan was thinking this is this is going to go even
2: better
1: for us. Mm, that's right. So how did that come about then, Brett?
2: If, to be honest, I've been trying to trying to get back as for for a few weeks, a few months before really, um, before Eddie came back, and I think when he did come back, I think that kind of sealed it it was just when we could do it and could everything be agreed with Bristol City etc because I was still in contract and luckily Bristol, I went and seen the Bristol city manager in the end i wasn't I wasn't playing I was on the bench but I wasn't really playing I said look please just let me go back i want I want to go back i'm not I won't kick up a fuss but it's something that I'd like to do for me and my family I'd like to go back to a club that I that I've had success at and enjoyed and he was good enough, and I think within a day or two i I was driving back down to Bournemouth and I do honestly remember driving back and never being so happy I was delighted to drive back
1: hmm it's um tom we've had a single factor that Lots of people seem to mention about um, the reasons why they join the club and why they love the club, and that's a certain person who's managing the club. Tommy Elphick said the same thing, didn't he? Um, he seems to be a big factor in a lot of players' decisions.
0: Yeah, definitely. You can um, you can you can see why as well. You know because he just seems to get the best out of players. Um, you can see the. I think there's quite. You know you don't want to go into. You can name so many individuals, but you think of you know Simon Francis, Harry Art, a few players that you follow. They're good players. Then Eddie takes over, and suddenly. You know, the, they probably wouldn't have even believed they could have gone to the level they had, and I think that's clearly. Um, I'm sure Brett will agree that Eddie just seems to get the best out of players. I remember, I think it's it's quite nice thinking when Eddie first joined. One of the first things he done was bring Fletch back, and then when he come back a second time, he brings Brett back. Like I said, two of the two of our greatest ever strikers, and it's uh, it just shows that Eddie's got that kind of power to bring back. Brett, do you think if Eddie wasn't in charge? Would it have been as appealing or was it, was it, I just want to go back to Bournemouth or was it with Eddie there as well, we can really achieve something as well? Was it kind of a double whammy really with Eddie being back?
2: It was definitely attractive
0: before, but when he came back, it was like,
2: it's got to happen. Um, that, that was all, that was the main thing. I, I had to make it happen and, and luckily it did.
3: How has his uh, management and coaching style changed in your years away?
2: His management, in terms of man management, probably hasn't changed a great deal. Um, his coaching, obviously, moved on with with time, his time at Burnley. Obviously, when when he first took over, we had 12, 13, 14 players. And when we obviously went up to the Championship, we had a squad of 25. The sessions, obviously, evolved massively. His philosophy on how he wanted to play evolved massively. Um but one thing that never changed with his was his work ethic and his demand for everybody to work as hard as they possibly can day in, day out, which I think come and showed every Saturday, I think. We we used to outrun teams pretty much every week. Um but that wasn't coincidence, that was a culmination of hard work throughout the throughout the week, throughout the season. Um and that's the one thing he always used to say to me, me especially, I don't care what you do. Just run, just work as hard as you can, because if you work as hard as you can, I know you're going to
0: score. And that that was his big thing with me personally. What did you? Mm-hmm. How did you find um kind of training with Eddie Brett? Just because we've, when we spoke to a few other kind of ex-players, um, I remember Tommy Elphick saying that since he's left, he says to kind of the players that are still at the club, you don't realise how good the kind of training is with Eddie. Is that without, you know, kind of, digging out any any other clubs how different is training with Eddie and how Tommy was saying particularly how much more enjoyable it is and how kind of meticulous he is with with training is that something you'd agree with
2: yeah without a doubt um you they don't know how lucky they are um
0: <laughs> people
2: from the outside just would think what he does is is a given and it's far from it trust me it, his his training like you said it how methodically is his demand to for people to work hard, how he plans his sessions, how he wants everybody to improve, whether you're in the team, out of the team, young, old, he just wants everybody to improve every day um, and that weirdly a lot of managers don't do, which i I find very strange.
3: With 19 goals in that 26 games that you played in that season we got promotion straight away, did you did you have a feeling that you were at your peak in that season or, or do you think you were even better in the Championship?
2: I don't think I was far off. I think probably the second season in the Championship, the season we went up, was probably when I was at my best, and my fittest. I think that first season in the Championship, I, I hurt my hamstring against Real Madrid and it kind of wasn't a bad injury but it took me a while to get back properly fit and by the time I was back fit the team was established and I struggled to I struggled really to get to get back in the team and then really struggled to get my head around going from the main man scoring every week to to not play and I struggled badly I think looking back without really realizing it at the time um and that summer was a big big make or break for me really um, I went away, I worked really, really hard to get as fit as I could um, and came back, had to wait for my chance and just, luckily for me and obviously unluckily for Jan, he got sent off at Bolton and I got my chance and then kind of scored a couple of goals against Reading then scored in our 8-0 win at Birmingham and then that was kind of, it was kind of me or Jan instead of, it was Jan to start with and I would be behind him. It was kind of evolved into it either of us could play depending on which game and, and what the scenario
1: was did you find the whole rotation thing with Jan quite frustrating as a person that's got such hunger in the game
2: no not not really to be honest because I can accept playing if I'm not playing because the person who is playing in my position is as good or better than than me and Jan was certainly a very good player so no not yeah. in that instance but if, if someone was playing in front of me who I thought wasn't as good or didn't do what I did or couldn't score the goals I could score then yeah I would have been frustrated but Jan was different because he was so good
1: Tom, obviously in the Championship, uh, one season was with Lewis Graben and then Callum Wilson um, with the next one. Um, uh, you know, how did you feel during that first season? I mean, I've asked you this before, but for the benefit of anyone new that's watching, that first Premier uh, Championship season, we held our own pretty well, didn't we, finishing 10th?
0: Yeah, 10th was was amazing. I mean, I, I did genuinely believe we wouldn't be in any court sort of relegation scrap. I always felt we were, we were too good for that, but I think every Bournemouth fan would have taken 10th. Um, and I, I remember, actually, um, with Brett mentioned it there, I remember that first Championship game. I think it was against Charlton. I think you yeah, had actually scored for Charlton. Um, but I remember being everyone beforehand, got, kind of being, being in the pub beforehand and going, oh, Brett's out. We haven't, I think we had Wes Thomas and Graben, I think, started that game. But I think I think um, I remember it being really, really key that we couldn't believe we had lost Brett um, for that first game. And, yeah, I remember now it was, like you say, the Real Madrid game. But um, what was going to ask... Brett was, where you're we talking about kind of the the change in, in seasons and your form. Did you, was it quite, did Eddie change your role, so to speak? Because I felt like you'd gone from kind of, and I suppose people talk about it as like the n- number nine, kind of the one to put the, to kind of playing a little bit number 10 role-ish because of maybe because of grabbing or because of Wilson. You almost had to adapt. Did you find that quite easy to just adapt to your game slightly?
2: Yeah, I think, I think from, Certainly, from the League Two season, with Mm. when I played up front with Fletch, it was kind of a partnership. It was more Fletch is obviously going to be right up because he can't run around as much because of his age and etc. etc. And it was almost for me just to play off him and play where where almost where I wanted really around him. And then when we when I came back in League One and then the Championship, we we definitely. Evolved into more of a nine and a ten, um, and yeah, I, I was certainly seen as a number ten. I think Eddie wanted somebody quick to stretch teams um, as the number nine, so that probably wasn't really my strength. So, number ten, I could, ob- I obviously would like to think I could play play football and handle the foot handle the ball. So, um, playing number ten, it it changed my role maybe to a little bit, but not overly really.
3: What was the biggest difference playing with Callum as opposed to playing with Lewis Grabban up front?
2: Well, there wasn't a whole lot of difference, to, to be honest. They both they both did similar things, like to run in behind. Callum was maybe a little bit stronger, could hold the ball up slight, slightly better. Um, but they both had great attributes, both quick, could run in behind, both could score goals and and they were both good to play up front with i think when i came back in league 1 i really enjoyed playing up front with grabs he 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 was really good for me
1: um Do you remember, this is a question that's been um, submitted um, from Ian. Do you remember the Andrew Sermon goal at Sheffield Wednesday where he lashed the ball after it rebounded? you got a smile on your face like we do. And uh, we've actually got a video that's um, from AFCB TV. um, Just to remind people of that Andrew Sermon goal, um, but also the unfortunate rebound incident with Brett straight afterwards. Take a look at this. Wilson gets back on his feet, it was Maguire who was guilty, Wilson's got space now, edge of the area, chance maybe for Sermon who places it, and Andrew Sermon breaks the deadlock. What a counter-attack from the Cherries, Wilson to his credit was fouled and then got back up on his feet, kept running, found Sermon, and he delicately bent one past Kieran Westford, and after 20 minutes of the second half, the Cherries have edged their noses in front. Check for Wednesday nil, for Maguire. The ball is with <laughs> So yeah, that uh, that looked a bit a little bit painful. But do you remember that moment?
2: I do. Yeah, I was. I think I was trying to kick it into the crowd just yeah. to waste a bit of time, and obviously didn't get it into the crowd. Yeah, it was painful.
1: So standout, uh, standout goal from yourself, championship season, probably. Tom, would you say it would be fun Fulham away?
0: Straight away, Fulham comes oh to mind. Oh my but, God,
1: what a goal.
0: Oh uh, Yeah, it was crazy. But um, it's probably, I mean, there's a lot of good goals. Obviously, we were talking to Matt Ritchie not long ago and, you know, we are talking about some of the goals he managed to score. But I think, obviously, to do with that night as well it was a Friday night game. That's probably, I'd say, one of my favourite ever goals to see live because yeah. it was just, you just thought, oh, yeah, go on, Brett, yeah, go on, let off. Brett, stop. And he just kept going and it was just incredible. But like we said earlier, you've got, in that championship season, I think because of how good that goal was, you forget. I remember there was a there was a nice one against Blackpool. There was a there was a few good goals in there, but I think it just shows how good that Fulham one was. That everyone just says Fulham straight away um, because there were some other good goals in there. Was that was that your favourite in that season?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think um, yeah, I think like you say, I think the whole thing, the, the Friday night under lights, just just on TV make, makes it feel slightly. better better than what it maybe it was. I I really did enjoy that goal. Um, and more than anything it put us 3-0 up and we was always gonna
0: gonna win that game in the end once once we went three nil up. I always yeah. feel sorry for Steve Cook because he scored a worldie that game. <laughs> and people kind of I bet you thinks I wish I scored that in another game because everyone remembers Brett's goal. But you know Cookie scored a worldie as well. Good. What about that? Yeah, great goal.
3: What about that hat-trick you scored, Brett, against Blackpool? Because that was a right-foot, left-foot header, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, I don't know how the third one went in, went in the keeper. <laughs> yeah. Lost his arms, <laughs> I think. But, um, yeah, no, obviously it's nice. It's nice to to score a hat-trick. It, it, I think I've had three, four maybe in my career. It's not, not something that happens very often so when they do come around it it, it is very nice.
1: It seems to be that um, I think I, I remember seeing a, an interview with Eddie Howe afterwards and he said that he, he was encouraging you in training, you know, to run with the ball and you did that with that Fulham goal. And then, yeah, on the following Saturday, like eight days later, you did exactly the same, but um, you know, that was your left foot finish against Blackpool. And that was uh, yeah, absolutely superb hat trick all in, all in the first half as well. I was in the Ted McDougall for that as well. So that was, re- um, that was yeah, really good. And um as you may have seen, um, flash on screen, um, Steve Waldridge got in touch to said uh, to say, did Messi write to you and ask for your shirt after that? But if you were if you were to compare the Exeter and Fulham goals, HBA one got in touch and said they were vital goals. But what was your favourite one out of those two? If you had to weigh them up, tricky.
2: Oh, I don't know. It's it's tough. I think. <laughs> If you take the leagues out and the opposition out of them, I would probably say the Exeter one just. But mm. if you factor in the leagues and the opposition, then the Fulham one.
0: So it's it's tough. Mm. I'd say all these all these amazing goals have stopped us to remember. I think it was um, Eddie's first game um, back against the game against um, Tramir when they were top of the league. Mm. And uh, was was it the Tramir game where it was that free kick where you smashed Wicked. it from? Wickham, sorry Wickham, yeah that's it, yes. um, when they were top of the league at the time and I think we'd would we gone 1-0 down I think, and we won 3-1 or something and that was kind of a real statement to the league that, you know, despite everything we could get it with the big boys, that goal was just, I mean, what, I, there was another moment where I thought he's not going to hit that <laughs> well, and that, and you said earlier about kind of having, having the hump sometimes and things like that, a few of your goals from far out did kind of feel like you were just taking anger out on the ball. And it just it felt like you just it felt like you were gonna cross it the whole time and at the last minute you went, ah, oh, you know what, and just ran up and smashed at the top corner. That was that's one of my favourites actually, thinking about it as well.
2: Yeah, that one I think before the free kick someone had been injured and it took ages and mm. ages to for the game to restart. And I don't think I was thinking about shooting, really. Because at that time I was taking corners and free kicks anyway, so I think I might may have even said to someone, it's a bit far to shoot this. And in the end, <laughs> I've decided just to shoot. I just, and and luckily, I've caught it really nicely and, it, and it's flown in the top corner. So, yeah, it wasn't the plan all along, to be honest.
3: <laughs> I think that's what marks you out Brett, right, as a natural goal scorer. You know, you've got the confidence. And a lot of players wouldn't even dream of hitting it but you just you just have this amazing self-belief it seems to me that you think you can score from anywhere
2: yeah I've never been the one thing I've never been bothered about is missing um, the thing that bothered me is if I wasn't getting chances that that used to annoy me or upset me um, missing I could miss five six chances in a game if I was getting chances then I was happy because I know I'd score eventually um that that was my mindset, really, to be honest,
1: yeah, and you scored um some you know some absolute superb but you know pivotal goals as well um talk to us about the way the championship season concluded because we were playing on the Monday night against Bolton, and um it was Middlesbrough against Fulham, and then Fulham pulled a four three result out of the bag, which meant that we could get promoted. Oh well, effectively on the Monday, what's the build up like to that match against Bolton at home?
2: I actually got asked this the other day. I I don't really remember much about the build up. I remember watching the result of Fulham Middlesbrough. I was at Pool Town watching them weirdly. I don't because obviously we didn't play on the Saturday, so I went to watch them. Um but no, I don't really remember anything about the build up to be honest, and I don't really remember anything about the game, bar the goals. Hmm. I didn't even remember Jan had missed a penalty until someone <laughs> said the other day.
1: Yeah, well, it was re- it was replayed on ASCB TV and, you know, you came on as a substitute and I, I could sense your frustration. And this is where the selfish side comes out as a, but uh, I, I say selfish. You also just want the best person in the best place to score. And, there was a chance, I think, that Callum Wilson had had where he just um, skimmed the crossbar in the second half. It would have made it 4-0 and he he should have played the ball square to you. And you were absolutely livid. I mean, by that time, promotion was in the bag, 3-0 up, you know, 10 minutes to go. But you went off at him and, you know, rightly showed. But it just shows how much it means to you, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I think I think you should always try. and Just because it's 3-0, it doesn't mean you can start making decisions and being selfish. I think if someone's in a better position than you, then you should pass it. And I obviously at uh, that point thought he should have passed it. Mm.
1: Yeah, did, that's right. Did you
3: ever get that back from players, Brett, when you didn't pass and miss? Did they ever give you a full volume? Yeah. A bit of abuse. Yeah, quite a lot.
1: <laughs> quite a Absolutely.
2: lot, yeah. It, it's part of the game. You, you You take it, you give it, you move on. You argue in the changing room, you move on, your teammate. So, I think I, everyone really just does it because they want to succeed. So, mm. um, it, it, I've definitely played in teams where there isn't as much as what we had of that in that team, and the team is is less for it, definitely.
1: So, promotion from League Two to League One. And then League One to the Championship and then the Championship to the Premier League. Craig asked, what do you personally feel was the biggest achievement um, in those sides? Um, would it be the Premier League just because it's the highest point of football or maybe the adversity of other seasons maybe makes them more special for you?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to say. Obviously, going, getting promoted to the Premier League, the Championship is notoriously such a tough league to get out of um and there were some good teams up there that that season so we we did really well to to get promoted um the league 1 season they were miles off it when eddie eddie took over and before i came back they were they were miles adrift mm. of the of the um promotion places mm. so that that's a massive achievement um and the adversity in league 2 having such little numbers um they're all special in themselves. It's difficult to decide which one's, which one's better than the other really.
1: Yeah. I mean, what goes through your head when you're on the promotion bus and there's like 55, 60,000 people waiting there for you at the beach. Does that make you think, God, this club's got some kind of potential.
2: I remember turning around the corner at Boscombe and thinking, wow, this is ridiculous. Hmm. Um, having been on the one from League One and League Two, where there was quite a few people, but nothing of that magnitude. I thought, you just think, wow, this is crazy. Um, And obviously the whole buzz of the the club going to the Premier League um, excited people. And I think the football we are playing in the Championship had to excite people because I, I know it was really exciting to play in.
1: Would it be fair to say that you remember more about that day than someone like Jan Kerigan, who seemed to be on the Shampers from a very early stage?
2: Yeah, I would definitely say so. I think he was, a, he was in a he was in a he was in a good place, but a place that he probably doesn't remember too much.
1: That's a that's a media trained answer. He was in a good place. I like that. That's <laughs> superb, um, Jeff. And then obviously Brett sadly departed.
3: Yeah, I think Eddie said that. Um... He'd spent a long time working with you and it was always going to be tough, but uh, when he called you into his office and told you that he'd be happy for you to remain as a squad player but couldn't promise you game time, I mean, that that must have felt difficult for you, I guess. What what were your feelings? Because it, it, it must have been football meant more to you than necessarily the, the glamour of being part of a Premier League squad.
2: Yeah, I think he came to my house and we, we spoke for for a long time and... It was it was obviously a tough decision to to decide to leave and and in hindsight probably wish I didn't um, wish I would have given it a year another season and and just seen what seen what happened but I made the decision for the security of my family to be honest of yeah. Bournemouth couldn't offer me a new contract at the time Ipswich were offering me three years and and that's that they just. Finished in the playoffs the season before, that was really, really why I went. It was a it. I, the decision happened quickly, probably more quickly looking back than than what I should have let it happen. To be honest, I should have sat on it and waited for it for a few few days or even a week. But it happened, and that that was that. I probably wish it didn't happen. In all honesty, not nothing against Ipswich because I I really enjoyed my time there, but. I probably should have given given it another another season and, and seen what happened in Bournemouth.
1: Mm, And that probably answers the questions that we had submitted um, from Paul Kenwood. Paul, thank you for that. And thanks for your contribution yesterday as well. Um, Danny Beal as well, who said he was very gutted uh, to not um, have seen you play in the championship. Also, um, Phil McGuinness as well. Um, Also, uh, thank you very much for Jake for your question as well, which I feel Brett has answered. And Tom, you're convinced that had Brett played in the Premier League for us, he would have notched and probably notched a few.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, just because Brett's scored goals wherever he's been. Um, it's one of the, there's there's kind of two, uh, Eddie could do no wrong in my eyes on many former fans. There's kind of two things, I would say, that Fletch never got to play in the Championship and that Brett never got to play in the Premier League. They're things that I just thought, oh, I wish, I wish they could have got that opportunity. I totally, you know, it's nice to hear um, kind of the reasoning there from Brett rather than being a squad player. And you know, like you say, the security for your family and things like that. It makes total sense. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Obviously, we ended up going to the Prem and we got quite a few injuries. And you're never going to know that. But at the end of the day, I think it's pretty obvious with the injuries we got. Brett would have probably got quite a lot of football um, because we were trying different players out in different positions a lot of the time and had to change things, like you say, because of injuries. And um, I think Brett would have got more minutes than maybe Eddie Orr himself potentially expected, which is one of them things. But... I'm convinced, and I'm, I know Brett's self-belief, but I'm convinced that um, he would have scored goals, definitely.
3: I'd think yeah. i love to have seen your fearlessness going up to a ball of 35 yards out uh, against Manchester City and smacking it in the top corner <laughs> to shut them up. That would have been brilliant.
1: <laughs> Just imagine. That, that would have been superb. So, summing up your time at AFC Bournemouth, then we'll briefly then uh, go on to talk about uh, what happened after that. Uh, Ipswich, of course, Portsmouth. Um, we had a question that was sent in from David Cordell, who asked, what would you say, based on your time at AFC Bournemouth, were Eddie Howe's strengths and his weaknesses as a manager?
2: His main strength, without a doubt, is the will and the hunger to improve everybody as a player. Like I said earlier, how no matter how old you are, whether you're in the team or out the team, he he would he would ring me on a Tuesday night if we've got a Wednesday off, and he would say oh do you want to come in tomorrow and do some finishing i'll get a goalkeeper and obviously i i would i would always go in and he he would be there he'd make sure every single member of his staff was there and the goalkeeper and he'd put on a one on one session just just for me um to improve me to get better and there you'd think people people would maybe think that that's normal and it really really isn't um I've never seen any other managers do it. I've never heard of any other managers doing it. I'm sure there may be a couple, but I've never seen or heard of it. Um and he wasn't doing it because he thought he had to do it. He was doing it because he wanted to do it. He wanted to make players better because in turn that would make his team better. Um and that that that's his prob that's his biggest strength, I would say.
1: Mm, and, and it's weakness, a- yeah, that's right. Well, some sure. people. I'm
2: not in... sure he's got one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you would say that. Um, so some people have said that um, sometimes he can be maybe a bit too loyal or a bit too, you know, not very flexible and you know going with the players that um, he's tried and trusted for so long. Would you, would that be something that you agree with?
2: No, I think as a manager, as a manager, I can model level- it takes a lot for you to fully trust a player, and when you get there, you and you know what he can he can hopefully recreate week in week out. You, I think, it's natural to be loyal to him. Mm-hmm. Um, look, if if he thought there was someone else in the building or whoever it was better for better for the job, then he would play them. He's not playing them just because they've been there a long time. Mm-hmm. He, he, he can be really, really ruthless, but he, he will just pick his best team for whichever game and pick his best system for what he thinks is the best way to get a result for the football club. Not because he wants to keep X, Y, or Z happy because they've been there a long time. He mm-hmm. He's not that naive
3: we had a question in from uh super Ali Santos who said, are oh, you gutted to have finished your AFCB career with fewer goals than Steve Fletcher? And <laughs> was there ever any rivalry between the lads in that respect?
2: No, there was no rivalry, but I'd like to think if I played 800 games, I'd have had more, more goals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Spot
1: I love on. that. Love that Top answer. answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Out of your first and second spells just in a in a word first or second, what which one did you prefer with the cherries? on the spot?
2: I don't know both, both. I loved all of it to be honest. I had tough times at the like oh, my phone. No, uh, was... I've had tough times I had tough times at the start of the um, my first spell like we spoke about blood sparns, cetera. But I think the tough times make the good times better. And in that squad, I've got mates and made mates that I've got. Coops and um, Was were both, they were both my best men at my wedding. So that mm. shows the kind of, I, I, we still go on holiday with Danny and, and Darren, Warren and Sean, Alan, Connell. We, we're still really good mates. And oh, nice. that That's my circle of friends now. So that that was a special time and then obviously the, the um what we achieved in the second spell and I'm still good friends with with a lot of them Charlie Simon and our wives and our kids are friends as well so it I I really couldn't pick to be honest it they were both great times
3: Moving on to Ipswich Brett uh from Eddie Howe to Mick McCarthy I mean he's got to be the grumpiest manager anybody's ever played for isn't he?
2: <laughs> Do you know what He's got an unbelievable sense of humor which you'd be really surprised about but he is, yeah. re- he was he was a really funny bloke he he was a really good bloke a a top bloke to be honest oh,
1: um
2: and I did enjoy playing for him but going from Eddie to him the tactics and the training was just chalk and cheese and it it's hard to get your head around to be honest.
1: Yeah, one of my uh, friends is um, is an Ipswich fan. His name's Leif, and um, he it's, it's quite interesting to see what he said about it. And this is what he texted me earlier. He said, um, Brett was technically so good, but he was never really used correctly by Mick, in my opinion, as he preferred it lumped up to Murphy. So uh, it seems that we never really played to his strengths. Does that sound about right?
2: <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think we had we had some good footballers at Ipswich, McGoldrick who is obviously now well played for Bournemouth and then now playing at Sheffield United. Um yeah, I think it was very safe football. There wasn't a lot of coaching, there wasn't a lot of pattern it was very we'll outwork and we'll outfight the opposition and we'll try and get results. Whereas mm. Eddie was was different, he trying to outthink, out tact outmaneuver the opposition with how we would play football and how we would defend against them.
1: Mm, very good. And uh, also uh it was in an Ipswich newspaper up there, I could cut kind the of East Anglian something or other. Um one of the articles said that you uh, it said Ipswich town striker Brett Pittman admits he has still some work to do controlling his emotions after a poor result but is not ready to convert uh, to curb his vocal presence in the dressing room um so I'm glad to know that you still got that hunger uh, you know like at Ipswich and then of course it moved on uh to, you moved on to Portsmouth after that Jeff
3: yeah I mean what was it like coming back to the south coast it, to a, a big club obviously in Pompeii and they made you captain as well didn't they
2: yeah. Um yeah, coming back was obviously coming to the south coast was was a massive attraction for me. I I wanted to come and live back down here. My my wife's family live um in between Bournemouth and Portsmouth, so it it was a big attraction for us. Um and obviously if I couldn't sign for for Bournemouth, then
0: Portsmouth was the next best best option. Do you remember the pre-season friendly Brett that you played against uh, Bournemouth? for Portsmouth, I, I just, I remember, like, me and, a, me and a few mates, not going to all the friendlies, but as soon as we saw we had Portsmouth away, oh, we got to go for Brett. Do you remember hearing, because obviously pre-season friendly, there's no, like, real big atmosphere. Do you remember hearing Bournemouth fans chanting your name during the game? Can you remember that?
2: Yeah, I do, yeah. And obviously, it's lovely to hear. Um I felt really, really awkward playing that game, to be honest. Mm. Playing against your well, my mates' team, a team that really that I played in, um, and probably yeah, I just didn't really feel comfortable at all, really, with the whole whole game, and I was p- pleased when it was over, to be honest. <laughs>
1: Mm. Um, and you know, recently um, this season, you've been back uh, training at AFC Bournemouth um, with the under twenty ones, and uh, it's, a, it's a it's something that you've been smiling about. But also, like someone on the live chat has said, from Ben, has said are you are you're going to come back and uh, teach our kids how to score. Now, what he might be referring to are some of the players that perhaps have not hit the ground running. And we also had this from Jim and Nina on one of the forums who said. Could he coach confidence and finishing to Dom Solanke? Because, and also, is Jake Scrimshaw the next Brett Pittman? Um, have you been following Dom Solanke? And where do you think it's sort of going wrong for him at the moment?
2: Look, I've, I've watched a lot of Bournemouth games. I've been to as many as I can. Um, and it's t- he's only a young, young lad. I'm, I'm mm. sure once he gets a couple of goals, I think hopefully they'll start to flow I, from what i've heard from from the lads in training he's he's very good and he's a very very hard working lad um yeah I'm, I'm sure strikers go through it yeah it's tough he's 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 moved for a lot of money he's a young lad he's moved from liverpool to bournemouth there's a lot of lot that goes on so it might just take him take him a little bit of time but i'm sure and i hope he'll be he'll be a good player for bournemouth in the future
1: well, I was looking at your Instagram, as I said on, uh, earlier, on messages, and um, there was a video, an Instagram story, uh, story of your son um, scoring a, a, a peachy goal into the corner of the net. I mean, what a finish that was. Is that Would you like him to follow in your footsteps?
2: Yeah, I think, I think every dad would love their son to, to, to be a
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.